Speaking of real good, welcome to episode 35 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. My name is Jake. I'm here with Evan. Hi. That's like the most excited I think I've ever said my voice or my name. For the rest of the episode, you have to just be like, hi, my name is Evan and I am here to talk about hockey. Hello, my Klana pin kicked in. (laughs) I come from a long line of Babcocks and my... (laughs) Voices entirely repulsive. So we just gotta, you know, you just gotta skate harder. You gotta gut out a strong performance there, or I'm gonna <laughs> yell at you until you cry in the how, locker room. How did NBC think it was a good idea to have us listen to that guy? Because like, they don't have ideas. I believe that he is a highly respected ex NHL. I'm shaking my head. No, I don't know. Okay, no, not. I mean, respected for his hockey brain, not him being a decent person. You can see there is a level of analysis going on there that you know maybe Mike Milbury did not have, but it's actually presented with less ability (laughs) somehow. I just don't want anybody who he has abused to like watch hockey and have to just like live through that again. I know it's a small population, but fuck, man. <laughs> it's probably not all that small of population. It's just the people that have spoken up about it are, are not all that small. Should we maybe talk about fun things for a little bit? Or a fun thing? Yeah, let's do it. So, Taya Curry, age 16, mm-hmm. becomes the first woman ever drafted into the OHL when selected by the Sarnia Sting with the 267th pick of this year's OHL draft. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully, you know, she becomes a real force. That would be super cool to see her succeed. She got shouted out by Man on Rome, who is the only woman to ever play in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And she also had a really great quote when speaking with OHL TV. They asked her, how do you want to be viewed and judged and seen by Sarnia Sting fans? And she said, just treat me like a hockey player. I don't want to be the woman hockey player like I just want to be a normal teammate with all the boys and i want to be family with them this is thrilling news to have a woman finally drafted into the ohl now the rest is up to her like this is Mm -hmm. gonna be awesome she's been drafted reading the articles that i've read about uh, about taya curry it sounds like she is legit and ready to contribute and like that's that'd be thrilling to see as we get into yeah, as we move into the future, there should be more opportunities for women to play at the highest levels. We've got 15-year-old Olivia Moultrie, who is trying to play in the National Women's Soccer League and has been for a couple of years now. Oh, yeah. I did just hear about her. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Portland Thorns have just traded for her rights. Oh, for real? And so if she is able to play she can play for the hometown for her hometown team so that's really awesome because i saw that she was suing to basically create an exception that already exists in a lot of leagues but apparently all of the men's leagues right yeah it just did not exist in in the women's league we're seeing females kind of trailblaze in a bunch of different ways obviously olivia moultrie is trying to get into a a women's league but as a you know high schooler effectively Mm mm-hmm 
And now we see Taya Curry getting into a professional men's league as a woman. And that's a largely untreaded path. And so respect to her. Yeah. And props to Sarnia for making the move and good luck to her moving forward. Uh, We'll obviously be watching her path pretty closely. Also in women's hockey, the Toronto Six have hired a new coach in Mark Jocelyn. He will be stepping in, formerly of the Toronto Patriots of the Ottawa Junior Hockey League. Mm. When he was hired, he said, let me get the actual quote instead of paraphrasing. That's not good. That's not very professional. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do a journalism. I'm real. (laughs) So he. I'm real. You could have done the, the right song. You could have done the Jaw Rule part. I think we're singing different songs. I'm, I was singing J Lo and Jaw Rule. Mm. I don't know what song I was singing. Where you move, where you talk, drive me wild. I'm real. <laughs> no, it's not Jaw. Was that Jaw ja Rule? Uh, I think that voice is Jaw Rule for sure. <laughs> so, Mark Jocelyn's quote was. I just love where women's hockey is right now and the direction it's going. It's been a dream of mine to always coach pro hockey, signing on with the Toronto Six after talking to Digit and getting this opportunity with the only uh, NWHL franchise in Canada is special. The nice thing about this is now when we're watching Toronto Six games, we don't need to see noted transphobe Digit (laughs) Murphy behind the bench behind the bench anymore. I hope you leave that in. I'm going to start over. Uh, uh, don't. That was really <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> the downside to this is Digit Murphy's just kicking it upstairs to be the GM of Toronto. It's not like she's going away. Like, right. The we le- are getting, you know, kind of what we called for in her criticism or in our criticism of her transphobia. In We're getting she half is no, of it. Right. Is, she is no longer the coach. All right. Well, careful what you wish for, huh? We uh, should have elaborated. Well, <laughs> standing by the sides standing on the shoulders of a transphobic organization gets you just a gm job yeah but also kicked upstairs is well healed tried and true method for getting the person you no longer want in the limelight out of the limelight so the one thing i will say about this is mark jocelyn in previous stops had also been a gm okay and so maybe just maybe Toronto's just going to be like, hey, Digit, get the fuck out of here after this <laughs> season, and Mark can take over as the GM. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, in other kind of questionable decision making news, after the kind of amazing performance that Carey Price turned in to in game seven to lead them past the Toronto Maple Leafs, a seemingly maybe well meaning reporter asked a absurdly just poorly timed question to him and just having won a hockey game about a very important story in that that we covered in our previous episode about the discovery of a mass grave outside of the indigenous residential school in Kamloops and I won't get into how that is kind of racist in in an action by you know kind of making indigenous person Carrie Price is an indigenous person kind His of answer was a chief yeah kind of answer for you know everyone kind of on the spur of the moment like well we can tackle this for a second okay yeah let's do it like you're asking a person in that position to give you all of the answers for everyone who is in that position so hey carrie price 
you're indigenous. What do you think about indigenous residential? Yeah, schools? let me just change the subject off of your game seven winning performance and how you, you know, have completely just tightened the buttholes of everyone in Toronto by yourself. Or had them explode. Yeah. And now we're going to change the subject into maybe one of the more horrid stories of the month, if not year. Absolutely just stupid. And what sucks is this person probably asking them or asking him was probably trying to, you know, do some sort of good in just talking about the story. But I think it goes to show that like misplaced good intentions can also be fucking terrible. We can hope it was just like nonchalant ignorance. I mean, I think it's, you know, you have, you're a reporter, you have a list of questions like, yeah, I did not see the whole press conference or get it in true context, but the people that did seem more angry than the people that didn't. So I'm going to sort of go on a limb and say it was a little bit of journalistic, just malfeasance. It sucks, but like there is a time and place for that where he can give a, you know, full passionate response because God knows Carrie Price has not been silent about the residential schools. He turned around and gave just this incredibly succinct and candored response that I don't, it was kind of amazing. He just said, yeah, that's a problem. And I've been telling people to look into the residential schools for a long time. Next question. Like it, he, he, that was kind of amazing from a PR perspective. Or we forget as fans, I think sometimes that players are also humans. Oh, and yeah. I think Wait, there's what? Well, they're God, if you Mitch Marner's human, stop fucking reading Twitter, Jake. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think that could be a good reminder to the city of Toronto. Mitch Marner is a human. Yeah. You are going to ruin that boy. Asking Carrie Price these questions when one, he's already said enough about them. And also like after one of the most dramatic and brilliant victories of his career, let the dude have something nice in his life yeah, for absolutely. like 30 minutes. Also, that's not a question. That's not a softball question. No, like that's, that's a 90 mile per hour fastball straight to the dome, like, or and, heart in this case. And like, to his credit, he fucking hit it out, like out the park or at least to a single. Like, yeah. He, it, it was a bunt. It was a bunt single. Yeah. And, well, it, you know, way to embarrass the pitcher. It's a bunt single when all you can get out of that is, is a bunt single. Yeah, so props to him. And also props to him for burying Toronto. The Leafs finally faded in Game 7 as all of Toronto was scared shitless was going to happen. I, I feel like Toronto's already been in therapy for a week because of all the other times that the Leafs have done this to them. And so they knew it was going to happen. And once once Montreal scored first in that game seven, the wheels started to come off. Over. The yeah, game was you could over. just feel it. You could feel it that they were in their heads. One soft goal by Jack Campbell, who played amazing in the rest of the series, actually outperformed Carey Price. And he's like mea culping in the media after the game for that one goal but like it just deflated the team i remember it being like midway through the second period and me just going i know how this game ends yeah. the only reason i'm watching it is because of what it means or the chance that you know 
the Leafs could come back. But they, no, I knew that game was over. That right. game was over. It was like watching them have an empty lighter and they're just trying to click it. Like it's like, dude, that lighter is empty. I know it is empty. I I picked it up off the bar stool and handed it to you. You need to get a new Marner lighter. <laughs> just kidding. So that I mean, well, that was. We'll talk the Toronto uh, uh, knee jerk reaction was, you know, M- Mitch Marner, Toronto native. A lot of people talked about how, oh, he didn't care, didn't try hard enough. Like, no, you saw him almost panicking. He's probably trying too hard. You could see this series just wear on his face. His demeanor was not good. But if not he, in a way that somebody, you look at him and he, it's like he's not caring. No, it was like he is trying to will this team to win and you know by proxy of that like holding on to the stick too hard like kind of not seeing plays that are there and and seeing plays that aren't there and you could tell that he was just not mentally there for this series in you know similar to austin matthews not really performing uh similar to all of kyle dubas's dubious additions not really performing yeah it, they got worked over by a team that maybe we were all kind of sleeping on as did the jets because <laughs> as of 15 minutes ago the jets they got them too they swept too yeah so maybe that's the moral of the story is did we all just sleep on montreal coming into the playoffs if you listen to episode 14 of this podcast no <laughs> if you Good. listen to podcast episodes since episode 14 probably (laughs) so if we can just like pick the right backup point for our former selves like windows i you know resume i i vaguely if at all remember episodes 15 through 34 so yeah i'm just hanging my head my hat right on that that episode 14 with a season preview well good for you for actually pointing out which episode we prognosticated that Montreal was building a playoff contender. Uh, My selective remembrance is great. Well, we're going to get to the rest of the series here because every other series in the quarterfinals was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, or this is was, fantastic. But this this first round between the Leafs and Montreal was still fantastic. But the we got one against Max, the Jets sucked. Oh, I know. We got Max Chaos. But also now... Montreal gets max rest, and maybe that's not what that team needs, but most of the time, you're pretty beat up and need some rest. I What, Petri's injured now? and Yeah, supposedly he's got a couple of fingers out of alignment or some shit. They're beat up like hockey players get beat up, so sweeping the Jets sets them up lovely for the next series. In which... They get to play the winner of Colorado Vegas. So it might not <laughs> fucking matter because it turns out both of those teams are really stacked. I mean, that would be so weird, though, because Montreal team, I mean, what they're doing, they're stacking behind the blue line with five dudes and just maximizing Carey Price's ability to be Carey Price. S- yeah, to s- see shots, not take a lot of shots, make saves like. I don't think they can do that against Colorado and Vegas. No, I don't think they can either. And they're different kinds of monsters. It's going to be really interesting to see them try. Try. (laughs) Operative word. Well, it's like every time, you know, we'll get to them later too. The Islanders move forward in the playoffs. You're like, 
is the Barry Trotz blocking all the shots game going to work in this next round against this next opponent? And like, it's worked against Boston. Montreal and the Islanders, I think, are kind of parallels for each other. Well, they're not supposed to be. Not really, but... Like, Montreal is not supposed to be this team, but they found something that worked against Toronto, and they were like, oh, yeah, Winnipeg's got some really skilled forwards, too. Why don't we just do this again? (laughs) Carey's feeling good? We'll just just rock this look a little bit longer. Yeah, it's hard to say that it's not working, because, I mean, if you play that uber-defensive style, you have to have just the front-end talent to make it to make it work to to kind of even out your lack of uh transition game. Yeah, credit to them. You know, Caulfield, Kokniemi, fucking Corey Perry, like they're getting production from everywhere. So, if I will point out, I think we both said at some point that there's no way we get Corey Perry last year's playoffs in Corey in this year's playoffs. And Corey Perry said, fuck you guys. <laughs> Corey Perry has been saying that his entire career. I know he just runs on spite. Doesn't he? Do like, we need to say anything about Mark Shifley? Uh, he made a dirty hit and he paid the price for it. He checked Jake Evans through the shoulder and face into high heavens and got suspended four games for completely ignoring the puck playing the body laying it all out skating from the opposing blue line at full speed before derailing a human's life right and i believe it was brock mcgillis pointed out gets his stick out of the way like he's not he was not even trying to play the puck he's just trying to level the dude and absolutely charging and absolutely worth supplemental discipline i don't know if it is worth four games in my head but i think it is it Two, I would guess two or three, but four, sure. The thing that I took away from this is everybody was like, Mark Shifley's never been this guy. Mark Shifley's never... But for that moment, he was. And while he doesn't have that history of violence that, no. you know, Vigo Mortensen has, <laughs> uh, you... <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. That was really good. <laughs> that doesn't matter, because you have to judge the act on its merits both things can be true shifley doesn't have a history of this and this play warrants a suspension i had something and lost it when my my brother and i talk hockey a lot and when he reached out to me about this i said i think he's getting four or five games and granted that's based off of nothing because who the hell knows what's going on (laughs) in george peros's head other than i really gotta launch my clothing brand in three weeks he doesn't actually do it he just he he sends them to the vending machine (laughs) and so you know that was a guess on my part like i'm not i'm not claiming intelligence here or like neither is george peros yeah that's true he's well he is a gentleman though Uh, a a, a violent one at that so for the record department of player safety george peros runs a clothing company called violent gentlemen i feel like we've given him more unintentional plugs than any other company That's in because here. we're new and looking for sponsors is there is there is, is there anything else that we should plug real quick while we're while we're sitting here the athletic i feel like you're getting at something and i'm just playing stupid what i was gonna plug is renee hess who is the founder of black girl hockey club is a nominee mm-hmm. for the willie o'ree community hero award oh heck yeah and i voted for her 
Nice. You should go out and vote for her because Black Girl Hockey Club is fucking awesome. So where do I go out and vote for her? If you go to NHL.com slash Award, okay, you can vote as many times as you want. I voted three times. Nice. <laughs> I mean, actually, I mean, Handsome Hockey Podcast voted three times. This reminds me of the Battle of the Bands that my high school band played. In order to play it, you had to like do top five in voting or something. Mm. And you could vote once per day per IP address. And so we essentially committed election fraud in that we went with like laptops and like palm pilots back in the day to uh frat row at Northern Illinois university and just went to all the unsecured wireless networks and voted for ourselves. And we knew one in a landslide. <laughs> no, we eked into fifth. Like we knew what we had, like they kept really good data on the website. And so we like knew what we had to do. And so we just like made it happen and we got into fifth and surprise took no higher than fifth in the actual battle of the bands. But uh, you know, whatever. It was a mega church. It was the spirit of the competition. Yeah. The, the actual battle of the bands was at a mega church in the Chicago area. And uh, I think one that like tells you to vote Republican. I don't know. The winner was actually God Conway. Twitty. <laughs> Conway Twitty's uh, come up a lot on this podcast, too. But, uh, yeah, that was the biggest biggest rock show I ever played. It's like six or 800 people. Thanks to election fraud. So you should commit that level of election fraud. It's not election hockey. fraud if they allow you to vote as many times as you want. You're right. Just like it's not fraudulent to let Nikita Kucherov play in the Stanley Cup finals. Right. And so, break the salary cap by, like... $17 million. Yeah. Uh yeah, we should bring that level of competitiveness. So what we're saying is vote as many times as you can for Renee Hess and Black Girl Hockey Club. And also, I'm totally cool with Nikita Kucherov in that whole situation. Absolutely. Use the rules as they are. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. So Speaking of Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Do uh, we want to jump to Tampa? Nikita Kucherov. Recent salary cap edition has 17 points in 10 games he is so fucking good at hockey (laughs) like how did he actually come back better is the question he was already sort of mvp level and now has well he's he has won an mvp so yeah right (laughs) Uh, and somehow he came back better he's rested (laughs) he's he's at and he, he's rested and he's actually been training with the team for like a month. So he's not at beginning of season form. He's at mid-season form. This is, to me, the best series we've got. Yeah, they're all turning into pretty good series. The three except, that are still yeah, going. Not not you, Montreal, Winnipeg. But I, yeah, it could easily turn out to be the best series if Carolina can win another game, I think. It, it, I think Tampa closes it out at, and at 4-1, it ends up actually being one of the more finished series, but like it's given us some moments. And every game has been close. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like Colorado Vegas, which has had a 5-1 and a 7-1 blowout. It's right. It's two overtime games, one, one game despite, decided by one goal, and then game four, which was fucking pandemonium yeah we can just skip the rest of the series and just go to the game four was it eight goals in the second period 
particularly that second period, because actually the third period was a bit of a letdown after the fucking orgasm of goals. Like, it was nuts. It was like, I, I think, I don't think I started the period watching it. Like, I had it on, but I wasn't really, like, watching it. And just, like, the sheer amount of goalness like, just drew me to the TV. Well, it's another thing, like, that first game of that Tampa, Florida series mm-hmm. where, like, these are the hockey games that you show your friends who are on the fence or are even kind of remotely interested in liking hockey. You go sit down and watch this one with Uncle Jake. Yeah. <laughs> and now now you can just show him one period. Just yeah. a good good old 20 minutes of hockey. Hey, you got you got about 40 minutes. I'm going to show you why you should love hockey. And they're like, does this happen all the time? Yes. No, but sometime. But it could. No, it definitely does every game but it could it well in any game that tampa and carolina play against each other for sure and uh, like you know tampa won two kind of close boring games to start the series without particularly being very good and then sebastian Ajo in game three put them put the canes on his back and just gutted them to a win if carolina had won game four it is a very different series than taking a 3-1 lead. Like, the difference in these series is just razor thin. And, and I, I think that highlights it. And the thing about this series that makes me f- think it's even more even than the Colorado-Vegas series that is tied at two is that Carolina is a team that hasn't played poorly and no. can also just... If one flip of the coin in games four or two or one goes a different way, we we might be a 3-1 Carolina series. Yeah, if and when Carolina loses this series, they probably should hold their heads up high and not be at all embarrassed because they, they have put forth a good showing in the Tampa Bay buzzsaw. They're holding their own. Their goalies are performing okay you know i I don't know if you can get better goaltending than what mrazik and jelkovic have shown but poetry to watch these two teams play and i wish it would just keep going forever but it won't because tampa bay is probably too good yeah that's the other side of that coin is you're you're playing tampa bay and this with the coming cap crunch in tampa bay we might be witnessing the last ride of this just phantasm of awesome hockey that that tampa bay is which is fine and yeah uh, probably you know that's the way that the hockey gods would want it i could see carolina winning one more game yeah um, hopefully but I, I would but, like them to steal one more game just be just to make it go further yeah but i i think this one's pretty pretty much toast we've reached the point in the year when i root for the underdogs just to make more hockey I love this playoff to last as long as possible. But also, it's been madness so far, and I just want to keep it going. Like it's it's been really good this this year, especially. Also, madness I think is the fact that a series that we thought or conventional wisdom thought would be a low scoring affair <laughs> in New York and Boston, they put up nine goals today. It was fun. This game, I think, highlighted the awful officiating we've seen all season and in the playoffs and Bruce Cassidy let the officials have it after the game with actually, you know, a a pretty K 
candor-filled statement said, these guys are good professionals. We just want them to perform better was kind of the crux of what he said. But he also, you know, managed to come out in defense of his players and say what everyone has been saying, that the refs are just fucking awful this year. The non-slash called in this game, the puck over the boards, there was just so many dumb calls that, I don't know, it kind of ruined what was a very fun game. What we thought was kind of just people whining at the beginning of the playoffs has now turned into actual legitimate fact like yeah. the officiating this year has just been abysmal yeah and i mean it's not easy uh, speaking from experience like refereeing hockey not easy so without tim peel out there it's just gone to hell <laughs> i hope after the playoffs are over we have kind of a response from the nhl that says you know we've heard your feedback and we're going to take a look at our refereeing situation. And if we see that there are changes that need to be made, we're going to make them. I don't want to pretend that refereeing is easy, but there are some kind of old school tendencies that still exist in the league that I think hurt the watchability of the game at some points, especially in the playoffs. You know, it's making these games more watchable. What? Matthew Barzal. Oh my God. Yeah. Whether he's making awesome dangles or beautiful goals or just getting hit in the balls in fairly dramatic fashion. Matthew Barzal has been just a a center of this series. And like, if we are seeing a true Matthew Barzal star turn in this playoffs and they, you know, the Islanders win the series and keep going like fucking good because we got a glimpse of it last year, late into the playoffs and only wanted more. So well, he was largely nondescript, I think, mm-hmm. in the Pittsburgh series. He was there. He was fine. Like, But he wasn't... Because Matthew Barzal is the best player on the Islanders. Yeah, they didn't have to go Barzal out right. against Pittsburgh. He's been, by far, the most impressive player in this series. He's oh, been yeah. absolutely everywhere. He's been a 200-foot player. Mm-hmm. He's been like the Mechazord version <laughs> of matthew barzal like the green dragon zord is now part of the ultra mega zord and so they're the mecha ultra killer hyper zord I'm and that's of- the version that of matthew barzal that we have now this series has been it's been really good uh earlier today new york went up three to two with a win in boston so they're gonna head back to the nassau coliseum, the nassau coliseum. which is like not long for this legs. world. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I love it. I've been pretty open about my Islanders rooting this whole playoffs. So yeah, I uh, would love to see them finish it off at NASA. I mean, Boston has been really good this year and I have no hatred for this team. They've been really fun to watch. Brad Marchand scored an incredible fucking goal. Today. It was so good. <laughs> like just... Uh, the commentators were like, well, he found himself with forwards at the back end. And it was like, yeah, but he went around Ryan Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> a really good defenseman. Yeah. Like, like yeah, that was, that was an amazing goal that he scored. So uh, another series that I would love to just see go, go seven. Just give me more. Just inject this shit directly into my veins. But I have a feeling that the Islanders are going to finish it off at NASA. We're going to see a Barry Trotzian finish to this. Yeah, they're just going to 
strangle Boston like the boa constrictor that they are. Something that we might not see the end of. <laughs> Colorado Vegas. Yeah, the series is just going to go forever. We were, not just we, everybody <laughs> thought that this series was over after game one. I mean, I was a 7-1 score will do that. Yeah, I was convinced. I was like, there's no way that Vegas comes back from this. Yeah. And then they put Marc-Andre Fleury back in. And then they also found uh, two different gears. Like, they remembered that they're bigger than Colorado. Right. And up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. Now, Colorado, that's not to say Colorado is a small team. Nathan McKinnon's a good size. Gabe Landeskog is a big guy. But their defensemen are smaller. Mm-hmm. And Samuel Girard's like my size. And right. And like Bakar and Devon Taves, like they're, they're not, they're not big. They're not small, but they're not big. Sammy Gerard plays with like a shinny stick. Have you seen it? It's like, it's like two feet long. Well, if you, Hey, if you, whatever works for you, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, however, Vegas on the other hand is big Mm -hmm. and they're strong. Mm hmm. I have no idea how this series is going to play out. Obviously, Vegas has all the momentum right now. They are going back to Colorado for game five. And now that we have at least 85 to 95% capacity crowds, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're pretending that we're not allowing a certain amount of people into games at this point. Not in Vegas. They're not pretending at all. uh, They never were. (laughs) I'm guessing guessing that the state of Colorado saw Vegas with its full arena and was like, we need our boys to win this series. We're mm-hmm. jacking up the percentage. So I think it's hilarious that Vegas's like dominance in this series started with Marsha Show's goal, goal off of <laughs> Grubauer's butt. <laughs> like that. Like, who thought butts weren't important? Uh, you and I both think butts are important because oh, definitely that's all we've got. That's all I've got yeah. for sure. Um, do you want to fancy a prediction? For, I mean, because this series is basically at 0-0 zero, zero now. Yeah. It's at 0-0. Zero, zero. With momentum. Colorado has home ice advantage, technically. Okay. And I think Colorado is still the better team. Mm. That being said, Vegas did come out and dominate game four. Okay. So maybe the two games of dominance by either team balance out, and we're basing it off of those two games in the games two and three. I would love to watch game five <laughs> before. Right. Making this oh, prediction. I know. That's why I'm like, uh, let's just let's throw some shit out there. And I'm going to I'm going to say Colorado in seven. OK, I think it goes the full because I don't I don't think Colorado can win in Vegas. So, yeah, that's unlikely. So if and the next game is back in Colorado. Yeah. So if Colorado wins game five, I think it goes to seven. And I think Colorado wins in a very hard fought and contested game seven that sure i i you know what i should stick with my predictions Mm -hmm. i said colorado would make the finals so i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna say colorado and seven and to be fair we always thought that this colorado vegas series was gonna be super intense oh yeah well i think i think prior to game one (laughs) i think vegas wins it in six i think they're in their head bednar's colorado coach has been going sort of the Tortorella way he's been lambasting his team in post-game pressers and, and saying, you know, we need better effort. We need our, 
stars to show up. I think Vegas steals the next one in Colorado and then with their momentum and then maybe seals it at home. Like how dare you discount Nathan McKinnon? I he's discounted himself. We haven't He's coming back. He's been virtually invisible the last two games. Yeah, I mean, I would not put it past him. I don't think it's impossible, but Jesus, like it looks like Vegas has them figured out. It does. I I will agree. I'm still I I got to stick with yeah, my prediction. No, I mean, I got to go with Colorado I, on 7. Don't I don't dislike that at all. So, yeah, I think Vegas and Colorado is going to come down to like a battle of inches at the end. Speaking of the end, to end this episode off, we've got some some quick hitters kind of to round out the rest of the episode here. The big one that kind of came out in the last week as far as player personnel goes is Seth Jones has announced that he wants out of Columbus. Surprise, surprise. It is a surprise on one level that he's like a hyper MAGA loves Candace <laughs> Owen type. And you'd think Columbus would be the perfect place for him. Yeah. I hope he goes to Seattle. That would be hilarious. And is a miserable fuck. Yeah. Seth Jones of our Portland Winterhawks loves him some deep state, but also was once a shining star defensive prospect. And now has had a couple rough seasons. He's pretty good. Oh, and there are, you know, there's still room for growth potential. He's still young enough where, you know, his maybe best NHL defenseman years are ahead of him. But I think people are getting glimpses this year and in past years of maybe him not reaching that. I have been a fan of his and multiple levels. So I would love him to learn some different politics or just love him to play better for his own right. But who knows if either of those things will come to pass or just don't like a bunch of Candace Owen tweets <laughs> on Twitter. Like just keep it to yourself. Right. As a conservative, you could do a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. The, don't you know, use you need- the woman who's lying so she can get money. <laughs> We're ending, ending this episode with Candace Owen hot takes again. <laughs> Surprise. And uh, Nolan Patrick also wants out of Philadelphia. You know, he's only 22 and he was a second overall draft pick on his third agent in the last three years. So there's some smoke coming out of that situation for sure. But yeah, he's kind of become and also ran in Philadelphia. He's had some health issues and that have kind of kept him out of, you know, meaningful minutes. I think right when he was starting to get kind of his stride under him, but, um, it feels like he had some moments last year where we were like, Oh, Hey, like it was, it was like him and Nico Hishire. We were like, Oh, you know what? Hey, maybe the top two guys in that draft are going to start panning out. Right. And then the injury bug kind of got Nolan Patrick. And hasn't let him go. He didn't play this year, has really bad recurring migraines that have limited his ability to participate. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to speculate on what has him so disgruntled in Philadelphia. Hopefully, he either finds solace there or he finds a place that you know works for him. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, next up, the... Uh, Chicago Blackhawks are facing a second lawsuit filed by another John Doe. The Chicago uh, hockey team, I think you mean. Yeah, sure. 
about their uh, disgraced former video coach, Bradley Aldrich, who abused a player while coach for the Blackhawks and then went on to abuse possibly this second John Doe when he was a high school hockey volunteer coach in the state of Michigan. And uh, so the second lawsuit is alleging that the Blackhawks knowingly gave him a positive job recommendation after firing him or, you know, getting him out of the door because of prior accusations. I think we suspected that there may be more coming from the prior lawsuit. And, you know, this is seems like it has a lot of merit. Hopefully, you know, the statute of limitations don't apply and this accuser gets what is due to them. Whatever that may be. And that their story and the other prior John Doe lawsuit story is is told and known and that the Blackhawks are made to face consequences for it. I mean, any one person can make any organization look fucking awful like this at any time. I mean, and that's just the reality of that many people in a sports industry. You know, you can get these Jerry Sandusky types can crop up when you value winning and and your culture of winning that you've worked so hard for over a culture of listening to people and listening to survivors and and valuing the human beings that make up your company and so you know that it comes out of this era of winning in chicago is not these are not two anathema things to kind of think you know oh it's crazy that this happened while this happened it's like no these cultures of winning are often what hides this type of abuse under the rug. As we've found over the last five to 10 years, you know, predators love sports. Oh, yeah. Because they have immediate access to whatever they are predatory towards. Yeah. And it's really easy to get involved, especially in high school sports, without a whole lot of accountability. I think a lot of states have gotten smarter about kind of who is allowed to coach children. But when I was volunteer football coach, like I could just say I was a football coach and, and, you know, they wanted me to be a football coach and then I was coaching football. Whereas right when I was stopping coaching, it was probably what, 2008 or nine. That was right when they were like, oh, you actually have to like, go through some hoops and like prove that, you know, you're not a predator. Yeah. You're not a, well, like prove you're not a criminal. Like you had to do like a background check or something. It wasn't like anything unreasonable, but it's something. Yeah. in like, congrats doing the minimum, but, uh, you know, these are, you're very, the gun lobby. <laughs> these are very new, you know, adjustments we've been making in, in youth and amateur sports in response to, exactly this kind of situation and it sucks that you know the team that i root for their front office it sounds pretty complicit here in not allowing for a predator to be caught and i don't know i'm just disappointed in the team i root for and want a culture of winning like they have had to come with a culture of accountability you know that is to me winning the right way so you know, I don't know who is going to listen to this or hear this, but 
if you run an organization, like you need to have accountability, just top to bottom, bottom to top. And it needs to be human centric. Sure. Sometimes people do need to get longer leashes than others, but not when it comes to things like sexual assault. I think this, these, all of these stories that have come out stem from an organization not listening to somebody when they said so-and-so is doing something that I find to be offensive. Right. And, and who is actually sort of accused in this scenario of not listening is a, a team employed doctor. So not actually someone that was part of the team and B the NHLPA. Uh, that's, I think something that's gone a little bit untalked about is that, you know, they, they're not, I don't know, kind of named or really talked about in these lawsuits, but the first one said, I talked to a union representative and, uh, nothing happened. Yeah. Suffice to say that this sucks and I hope that the truth is told. And that reparations are made. And when somebody says, I'm being sexually assaulted, fucking listen to them. <laughs> Even if it turns out to not be true, you, at least you listened to them and you did the digging. Because or, you know, the alternative is way worse. Also in hockey news, the most boring draft lottery ever happened. And it played out. Almost exactly as we thought it would. I think it played out in according to the odds so well that it was actually statistically improbable that that happened. So you're saying it was rigged. I knew it. It's always been rigged. <laughs> like the draft did not have enough entropy. It did not have enough chaos. <laughs> I don't know. It was so, so lame. The only teams that did not pick in the places that they were statistically likely to pick were Seattle and Anaheim who switched spots at two and three. So Seattle will pick second and Anaheim will pick third behind behind the Buffalo Sabres. It's kind of funny how a team could have the worst record in the league and get rewarded by getting the number one pick that they rightfully should have had because of how bad they were. I know, weird, right? And it's really weird that they would reward a horribly run franchise like the Buffalo Sabres with a number one pick after having the worst team in the league and not reward a really well-run organization like I hypothetically the Detroit Red Wings <laughs> with a number one pick after having I was the say, worst season. I think Edmonton could use another first-run pick. Just, just I will burn the NHL to the ground. I think, let, you know... Thankfully, they they've done the... so well with them. What's that, Nile Yakupov? Actually, Nile Yakupov killing it in the KHL. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> How'd that pick work out for Edmonton? What compensation did they get for him going back to Russia? Jackal. None. <laughs> you got nothing. They got a Yakov Smirnov of compensation. Yeah. yeah, so nothing interesting happened whatsoever in the NHL. Um, yeah, everyone picks exactly where we thought they would. Yeah. Two final notes, neither of which are hockey-related, except for the fact that one happened in Canada. The first is soccer-related, and it's hilarious. So the Ukraine is in the European Championships this summer that were supposed to happen last summer. 
and they revealed their brand new kit for the Euros. And on it is a very faint yet noticeable outline of the nation of the Ukraine, including Crimea. (laughs) And Russia is pissed. I love it. Yeah. We were joking earlier that the president of the Ukraine is going to come over and give Hunter Biden's laptop back to (laughs) Joe Biden. And he'll be like, now that you have laptop, give me Crimea. And... That's not going to happen because we're not going to war with Russia. But if World War Three starts over the Crimea, I'm going to be upset. And it would have started with soccer jerseys. With a soccer kit. With <laughs> that the, is some troll-o-lol-lol-lol-lol-lol level of trolling. With the Ukraine stepping out. <laughs> so congrats to them because anytime you can piss off everyone in Russia, take that swing. Finally. Mm. Yeah, we're going to... Turn it back on to serious. On a on a, an extremely somber note. Yeah, this was horrifying to see today. Canada in London, Ontario witnessed uh, what can probably best be described as a white terrorist attack. Um, a young man ran over, uh, apparently intentionally, a family of a Muslim descent and killed several people uh leaving one nine-year-old boy in the hospital fighting for his life and my deepest condolences go out to the city of london ontario and my thoughts are with the muslim community of canada right now they've already had to endure a mosque shooting you know it it's something that Canadians don't like to talk about and uh, nobody likes to talk about, but Canadians are, are proud and, you know, don't like to discuss these issues, but there is, you know, real danger for Muslim Canadians. And, uh, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of words to, it's just so fucking awful. We just want to say our condolences, our deepest sympathies go out to the family We hope that the government of Canada and the judicial system in Canada punishes this young man within to the fullest extent of the law. In this case, you know, I know we're going to say suspected. We know. Yeah, (laughs) we know they came. Yeah, it's pretty curious that the police came out and said this is a hate crime right away. And then they said our indicators are not from social media and this person has no priors and no other indicators of hate group involvement, but yet they somehow know that it was. That tells me that he said, yeah, I did this because of such and such beliefs. Mm -hmm. When you catch a guy sitting in a parking lot, wearing a bulletproof vest, that's premeditated. That's a guy who knew what he was doing. And hopefully he spends the rest of his life behind in a, in a very small jail cell in Canada. And again, you know, our thoughts are with the victims and we hope there can be some sort of national healing, some something learned from this, something to get towards a world where this doesn't happen. Yeah, that's that's what I got. With that, be good to each other. We only have so much time on this earth and it takes way too much energy energy to hate people. So just be good to one another. Take care of one another. And stay handsome. Restez beau to Le Mans.